Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. Today is a special day, and I want to congratulate everybody who was here in person and everybody who was watching live online for making it. We lost an hour of sleep last night. It's also a special day because, as Claudette said, it's been one year It's actually one year tomorrow since the first Sunday we locked down. And I'm so grateful that we've been able to to keep doing uh, services. We've had the online accessibility. Uh, We've been able to make our services available to people that wouldn't even normally come to a service because we have people that are watching from British Columbia and Brampton and North Carolina. It's also a special day because it's March 14th. It's Pi Day today. So I would encourage everybody at some point today to go celebrate with a piece of pie. You have no idea what that means. March 14th, 314, the first three digits of pie. It's a math geek holiday. Um, I am grateful also that that we're seeing hints of uh, a trajectory towards things going back to some kind of normalcy. I remember uh, quite a few years when things were normal, uh, we were on vacation. Remember that thing called vacation? And we had taken the, the kids on a vacation, and, and we were somewhere, and, and uh, the, the kids were in line at a buffet to get their food. And, and I remember, I think it was Judah was in line, and these two older ladies just pushed right in front of him. And he was like, what's going on here? He was jarred, and, and he looked towards Michelle, and Michelle explained that those people were from another country where they don't care about lineups. And sometimes different cultures have a different standards. I'm not going to say what country it was. It was, a, it was a European country. And she sort of affirmed to him that that's not what we do, because we're Canadian. And I'm grateful to be a Canadian. It's my citizenship. In fact, one of the answers to the question, who am I, is I'm Canadian. And I think that the older you are, the more likely that would be the case, whether you've moved into the country from another country, which my parents did, or whether you spent all your life here. It's, it's part of our identity. It's, it's a good identity. I mean, as Canadians around the world, we're, well, maybe not respected, but appreciated to the extent that people from other countries sometimes pretend to be Canadian when they're tourists because they might get better treatment, right? So I've heard stories where people taking a little, you know, maple leaf flag, Canadian flag, and pinning it to their backpack, even if they're not from Canada, so that people think they're Canadian. There was a, a commercial quite a few years ago, a, a Molson Canadian commercial. It was, it was all about, I am Canadian, and it was finding the source of pride for who we are. So here we are in our series, Who Are You? And as I've said for the past few weeks, our culture is running out of answers to be able to answer that question. They're running out of the tools. And my case throughout the series is that Jesus offers better tools. So what does that have to do with citizenship? Uh, I will invite you to uh, send... Uh, comment or question, you can put it on the YouTube chat if you have something relevant to the message. You can send it to my phone directly if you have my number. And if we have time at the end, we'll deal with that. A few years ago, a couple of years ago, we had a speaker, a special speaker here. His name was Kevin Garrett. Kevin Garrett uh, is a, he's a part of our denomination. And uh, he lived for almost 20 years, maybe more than 20 years in China. And he and his wife were running a coffee shop. And at one point, the Chinese government decided that he was a spy. And so they arrested him. And he spent two years in a Chinese prison. And if you hear his story, 
we in today's situation have a lot to learn from what he went through. I, I've heard people uh, that are really challenged by lockdown conditions saying, I don't know how long this is going to last. I have no control over my life. I can't make plans for my future. I can't see my children or grandchildren. Right, that was exactly his situation in a prison in China, not knowing how long he was going to be in that prison. Primarily, not for being a Canadian, but for being a follower of Jesus. And at a certain point, when he had gone through despondency and hopelessness, back to hope and back to despondency a number of times, the Canadian government actually stepped in and negotiated with the Chinese government for his release. And he and his wife were reunited, his, he and his children were reunited, and he's back in Canada. And, and he spoke at Crosslands, and he speaks at a lot of churches about, about his story. And it's a dramatic story. But there's a whole lot of Chinese followers of Jesus that don't have a government that's willing to step in on their behalf. That don't have the benefits of Canadian citizenship, because to some extent... Our, our government has our best interests at heart, and the Chinese government would say the same thing, but they look at it a whole different way, because they're more willing to sacrifice the individual for the cause, the, the, that sort of godliest advance towards utopia, and people who are followers of Jesus or any other religion are seen as threats to that cause. So here, as, as Canadian citizens, we have the benefit of being a Canadian citizen. We're not the only ones. There are other countries that act this way towards their citizens. But we have the protection of our government. That's what you get. That's part of what you get, where the government will act on our behalf. Hopefully, some of the time, most of the time. Because there are two men that are in a Chinese prison right now in almost exactly the same situation. And there doesn't seem to be an end date for them coming home. But we, we expect that we would get protection from our government. If you're in another country, you run into trouble. We have a, a girl we went to, to youth group with, and uh, she went into the mission field, and she's done missions around the world in nice, cushy places like Sudan and Iraq. And she found herself in Turkey on the day that there was a coup to overthrow the government, and she was in a taxi on her way to the airport to come home, and she realized she lost her passport. And so the first thing she did, what do you think she did? Went to the Canadian embassy. There's protection in being a Canadian citizen. We also assume the benefit of health care. That's a huge benefit. You only have to talk to some people in other countries that might not have health care. It's a benefit. We assume that along with our citizenship comes the right and availability of education. You cannot be truly free in this world if you don't know how to read. And to some extent, we assume the availability of infrastructure. Roads, electricity, internet access, that's sort of a newer one. Clean water, unless you live on certain native reserves, and maybe it's not as accessible. So we assume these things, and for the most part, but not universally, they're available to us as Canadian citizens. Now, with citizenship comes responsibility, and, and what is that? I think, I'm not sure, we're expected to vote? You're not thrown in prison if you don't vote. What other responsibilities do we have? Pay taxes. You pay taxes. And for the most part, the benefit of those taxes, barring government corruption, goes to our benefit. You can live in countries, a lot of countries in the world, where you pay your taxes, and it doesn't go to your roads, to your education, to your health care, to your electricity, to streetlights, and all those other things. People complain about taxes, but we reap the benefits of our taxes. 
we're expected, I think, to some extent to demonstrate what it means to be a Canadian, to be faithful to Canadian culture, whatever that means. I, I watched the first two periods of the Leafs game last night, the two best periods of the Leafs game last night. There was a time change, so I went to bed. Uh, I drank a Tim Hortons coffee this morning. It's part of being Canadian, I think. I won on my first roll up the rim, won a free coffee. That's, isn't that part of being Canadian? Don't cause trouble, mow your lawn, be nice to other people, especially when you're overseas. What, is, what does our citizenship mean? Okay, it has stuff that, that we get, but what does it mean to live it out? And, and we've talked about the, the changing culture we live in. And in the increasing change in culture, younger people these days are increasingly skeptical towards government. And there has been very good reasons to justify that skepticism. We expect the government to operate on our behalf, but it doesn't always. We live in a world where we've seen the worst of nationalism. Nationalism is like patriotism on steroids. And we're seeing a rise in that kind of nationalism in some other countries in the world and in some pockets in Canada. Younger people are suspicious of arbitrary borders. I've heard people say, I'm a citizen of the world. I get that. I don't know what the world is going to give to you for that. And so in that skepticism towards national, nationality and, and, and social geopolitical boundaries, let's say, in that skepticism, what does Jesus have to say? That's the point of the whole series. What does Jesus offer in a world that's increasingly suspicious towards our flags and our citizenships? This is what Paul says. Paul wrote a whole bunch of letters that were included in the New Testament. And this is what he says in one of his letters. He's one of the earliest definers of what it means to be Christian. He says this, but our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. He's talking about followers of Jesus, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul wrote this letter when he was in prison. So, he didn't have a government that was willing to step out on his behalf, and negotiate his release because he was a follower of Jesus. Oh, he was a Roman citizen. But he expected at that point that he might be facing the very end of his life for being a follower of Jesus. He says that earlier in this letter. And so he's writing these letters to some of the churches that he helped found, that he helped establish. And, and when you read through the letters that are included in the New Testament, there's so many problems that he addresses over and over and over, like, like deep-rooted, deep-seated issues. Except Except this one. The, the church in Philippi, Philippi, they were like, they were the good church. They were the Canadians of the New Testament world. They didn't have a lot of major issues. Philippi was, was kind of unique among all the cities where there were followers of Jesus that he wrote to. Not, not just because they didn't seem to have deep-rooted, deep-seated problems. They were um, especially designated Roman colony. See, what, what the Romans decided to do is, is they would take their soldiers that were retiring, if they had done good service and all of that, you get to the end of your military career, and they would grant them Roman citizenship. Not every soldier was a Roman citizen. In fact, most were not. Where did the soldiers come from? They came from conquered people. They came from the slave class. There were very strict classes of people, and, and living as, as a Roman soldier was a brutal life. It was, it was hard work all the time. Uh, Julius Caesar 
when he was commanding his legions, this is before Rome was even an empire, he, he faced a revolt among his own soldiers because the life was so hard. You're going around killing people that are desperate to kill you. They spent more time sometimes digging fortifications than they did actually fighting, and the soldiers had had enough. And he quelled that revolt with one word. He addressed them with this word, citizens. And he immediately granted them the right of citizenship. And so the life of a soldier was the bitter path to a better life where you would have to slog it day after day after day, your life at risk, your limbs at risk, your future at risk, and you'd fight and fight and fight and fight. And at the end of their career, they had the opportunity to be granted a Roman citizenship. And the city of Philippi was a special Roman con uh, colony where all of these soldiers were settled down with all the rights and protection and privilege of being a Roman citizen. I mean, it was a political move, too, because he didn't want them in Rome. You don't want a whole bunch of bored former military people living in the capital, so we'll move them far away. Because if they get really unhappy, they have the means to overthrow you. But still, all of these people had this special citizenship, privilege, protection, identity. They were no longer slaves. They were Roman citizenship. They were Roman citizens. And Paul says to them, but our citizenship is in heaven. Citizenship has benefits. Citizenship has responsibility. And to some extent, citizenship demonstrates character. So Paul is writing this. It's a four-chapter book. He's writing this in chapter 3. This is what he said in the chapter prior to this. He demonstrates what Christian character is. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Now that is a contrast to the way the culture around them lived with a constant pursuit with self-betterment and, and the pursuit of glory, reputation, honor. And then he goes on to describe the center of our belief, which is Jesus himself. There's the, he immediately after writing that, he he includes something that many scholars believe was written before the letter was written. He's like, he's including this song, that, a hymn that, that went around, and, and it describes Jesus having full equality and identity with God and choosing to put that aside, choosing to put aside all of his own benefits and privileges in order to become a human, not just a human being, but equivalent to a slave going to his death on a cross. A Roman citizen... The worst Roman citizen was protected from crucifixion as execution because it was considered the death that belonged to the worst of humans. All of these citizens of Philippi, to whom he's writing, they had a guarantee to be spared from that kind of death. And Jesus himself, God himself, gave up all of his privileges for the sake of others. That's the model. In Philippians 3.17, Paul writes this, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. That's a, that's a pretty significant statement. I don't know how many of us would be willing to tell somebody else, pattern your life after mine because I'll show you what it means to follow Jesus. But he has just described earlier in that same chapter all of his own benefits and capabilities and everything that he had to count on. 
to all of his credentials. He was a faithful Jew. He, was, uh, he calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, I was faithful to the law. He says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a true blue Jew, except it didn't rhyme in, in Greek, okay? But he says, all of these things that I have going for me, I despise them for the sake of my allegiance to Jesus. Because even though I am, have all my credentials as a Jewish believer, I have a higher allegiance. That's a higher allegiance to Jesus himself. I put aside all my rights. I put aside all my privileges for a heavenly citizenship. It's a higher allegiance. It's a higher aim. That's what he's saying. And now he says to the Romans, okay, you may identify as a Roman citizen, but you have a higher allegiance to Jesus. You have a new citizenship. You're not defined by Rome. You have different privileges, different responsibilities, different characteristics. Now, that doesn't mean that they're anti-Rome. Because the, the, the movement of follower of Jesus was not a rebellious movement. They didn't get together and have secret plans to, to kill Caesar, to overthrow Rome. They, they weren't undermining Rome or aiming for its destruction. In fact, what they were undermining was, was Rome's own destructive tendencies, behaviors, structures, but not Rome itself. See, any, any follower of Jesus, whatever your nationality, your citizenship, your Christian citizenship, should make you a better citizen of your nation. Even if that means undermining the negative characteristics of what your citizenship is. I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian who, who operated in Germany in the 1930s and 40s, said he had to betray Germany to be a good citizen of Germany because of what had happened in the culture. So whether or not your nation recognizes that, we, we have a higher goal. So we're not necessarily apolitical. Some of the early followers of Jesus had political office. They operated within that sphere. I, I, I kind of like, here's an illustration. Okay, let's say you're a, you're, you're a Canadian citizen and you're acting as an agent of Canada in another country, right? Let's say Sokovia. Now I'm not saying a secret agent. You're a known agent of Canada. You're working with the Sokovian government to implement something better in the country. And so as you're working with the Sokovian government to make things better, you have a higher allegiance. So your higher allegiance is, is, is to Canada. So you're not going to undermine Canada's goals, Canada's intentions, Canada's purposes in Sokovia. You're working in this kind of partnership. And if it comes to a choice between Sokovia's best interests or Canada's best interests, you're taking Canada's best interests every time. That's what it means to be a citizen of Canada or to be a citizen of heaven while also being a citizen of a nation in this world. That's what it means. Paul says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. They're God. So he's describing what the characteristics of non-citizens of heaven mean, the people you live around. Their God is their stomach. Their God is their appetite. Sorry, another translation says stomach. This is like the, your animal instinct. This is living for the now. Your God is your appetite. They brag about shameful things. The, the language is actually, um, their glory is in their shame. And what I think he's doing there is, th there, there's an Old Testament euphemism for idolatry. When people worshipped idols, they would use the language that they're worshipping shame. Because any, anything that we worship that's not God is shameful by contrast. 
And that's why I think he uses that language. They, they, their glory is in their shame. They actually take pride in worship, worshiping false idols. And they think only about this life here on earth. There's no hope for anything beyond this life. You, you think about the people that are around you that... It's, it's not so much a, a, a criticism as a, an expression of, of sorrow or lament. They don't know any better than to just live for what's here and now. And that's when Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, or the Messiah, the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he's talking about power and authority, will transform our lower bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Our, our own bodies, our animal instinct is not our God. That's not our pursuit. Our heavenly citizenship means we have a higher allegiance, a higher aim, a higher responsibility, and a higher benefit. Where we aim for an eternal good destiny. We await a savior instead of destruction. You only have to look so far to see, even with our best intentions in this world, apart from God, there's always those unintended consequences and things just, they never reach the aim that we think we're aiming for. There's a permanent and positive aim and a result. Transformation. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Instead of our appetites driving us, being our God, being the focus of our attention, we worship the true God instead of false gods. Shame. Things that are too small to merit our full attention. And our mind is on the permanent and the perfect instead of earthly things. So what does Jesus offer when it comes to the citizenship question, to that identity question, who are you? Today's culture can be marked by that suspicion towards any kind of institutional identity, especially when they're sullied by scandals and betrayal, conspiracy. Unfortunately, the, the church is viewed the same way as an institution marked by scandal, Conspiracy, betrayal. What does Jesus offer? He offers a higher citizenship, different character, where it's not me going for me and mine, but actually considering the other person, preferring the other person. That selflessness that Jesus himself demonstrated, a different character, meaningful in purpose, permanent in benefits, a higher allegiance a higher aim, a higher responsibility, but a higher benefit. When somebody's asking the, trying to figure out that question, who am I? Part of the answer is you, you have the opportunity to a citizenship identity that goes far beyond what any nation in this world offers. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for that higher identity. I don't want to be just Canadian. And the offer is available to you. Will you aim higher? You can't do it on your own. The story of Jesus coming to and saying, putting aside all of his benefits, putting aside all of his privileges in order to give us access to God, that is the story of the cross and the resurrection. That's what that Philippian hymn talks about. 
that God himself put aside all of his benefits to come be reduced to as a human being, even to the level of being a slave and going to his death, but not staying there because it's in it's through that death that he defeated death and made the way possible for us to have a relationship with God. And that's your access point. Jesus himself is your access point. And so if you want to accept that today, maybe you've never said yes to him. Maybe this is all new for you. I want to give you the offer today. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that what you're living for isn't enough. Are you living for just day by day, for your appetites? Nothing beyond this world. Acknowledge that and say, yes, that's where I am. The B is believe. And it's not just a mental assent. It's a trust. It's a willingness to depend on this. To go, to, to not trust in something else. To not use Jesus as sort of a, a hedge bet. But to put him in the center and say, okay, yes, that's what I'm aiming for. And then see us commit. That's the going all in. That's the putting him at the center and saying no to the old life and yes to the new life. And if this is something you want to do today, this is, the, this is the highest aim that you were made for. Not just to vote and mow your lawn and be a good citizen, not get into fights with people. But to aim for the highest. The higher aim, the higher allegiance, higher responsibility, and higher benefit. And I would challenge you to say yes to that today. To make Jesus the center of your life. And and if you want to do that today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're here or if you're watching online, just make these your words. Father in heaven, I acknowledge that I've been aiming too low. I want to say yes to you today. I'm choosing to believe, to trust that Jesus is the path for that to happen. I'm choosing to make him the center of my life today. I'm choosing to say no to my old life and to say yes for whatever he has for me. And I want to commit to you, God, today. Thank you. Amen. If this is a decision you are making today for the first time, I want to challenge you to connect with us. We're a follower of community, we're a community of followers of Jesus here, and where we strive to put Jesus at the center. We do that imperfectly, we do it together because none of us can can live this out alone. So I want to challenge you to connect with us. Go to crosslands.live in your smart device and, and click the follow Jesus button there and give us your contact info and we'll get a hold of you and give you next steps for how to live this out. To the question of identity, our world offers national citizenships for most of us. But Jesus offers us, offers us a higher citizenship, the citizenship of heaven, which is a, it's a higher allegiance. It's a higher aim, higher responsibility, and it's a higher benefit, an eternal benefit. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you that you made us to be in relationship with you. There's nothing we have to do to earn that. But Father, I, I pray that we would, we would identify with and live in our identity as a citizen of heaven. Father, where we are distracted by aims that are too low, by allegiances that are not you. Father, I pray that you would point that out and give us the will to make corrections where necessary. Father, also give us the heart to recognize and see those around us that are floundering because their aim is simply too low. Give us the words to say 
Give us the boldness to take the opportunity to share with those who don't know you the opportunity for the full life that you have for them. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.